1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. In addition to that, download the new app. Apple and Android users, type in KDOS 1060. Get yourself signed up for listener rewards as well. It's Bob Kemp. It's Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. This being Friday, February 17th. Let's get things started with the poll questions, as we typically do. And we'll head on over to the KDOS1060.com poll question. With the question being, will the Suns win their first ever championship this season? with the addition of Kevin Durant. He met the media and also fans as well in an introductory press conference yesterday. He uh, has yet to be cleared to play. The last I heard, he hadn't even been cleared for three-on-three yet, so there's still a little ways to go for Kevin Durant's uh, return to the court. Will the Suns win their first-ever championship this season with the addition of Kevin Durant, though, is the question. And No's lead is growing. 90% of the vote is on the No side of things. Yes, sitting at 10%. Maybe those voting no are judging us on the Suns' lack of defense last night, which was atrocious. Possibly. Uh, we'll answer that question around 12.30 today over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Should ASU's Bobby Hurley be on the hot seat? No continues to lead the way here at 58.3%. Yes, sitting at 41.7%. We'll get into ASU hoops a little bit later on in the show, but after losing to Colorado last night, that probably all but uh, uh, ends their chances of making up a postseason run, unless I guess they go on and win the Pac-12 tournament. That's the only chance they have at this point. I mean, it was slim anyway, uh, but you lose at home to a team that was 1-8 and on the road prior and was really struggling previously. And, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, they, they've got some issues uh, right now with ASU. We'll get into that question in ASU Hoops discussion later on in the show. We'll be joined by Howard Balzer of GoPHNX.com, set to join us around 11.15 today to chat about the Cardinals, chat about the hiring of Jonathan Gannon as head coach. He, of course, is uh, the new head coach and had his introductory press conference as well yesterday morning. We'll take your calls if you'd like to join the show today, 11.30 or 12.15. Either option number is 6. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. Well, Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We had an incredibly uh, successful start to 2023, but now the football season has commenced for now or has ended for now and we'll get started back in uh, August and September but we still have a $100 gift certificate for you at some very strategical point but I do want to make mention Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits you can find them, visit them over at 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler
Cellar. They have craft beer, wine, spirits, and of course, the amazing treats for your four-legged friends. The weekend specials, Bob, here we go. Number one, certified Angus beef choice New York strip steaks at $4 a pound off. Pork country style ribs at $3.99 a pound. And all natural, fresh, plain, boneless, skinless chicken breast at $4.99 a pound. The $100 gift certificate available to you, but not quite yet. The Cardinals. Maybe we can like have a you know contest for the to bet on the NBA All Star Game for Sunday. Oh just gosh, kidding. no! I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. I will just uh, I will just hand more money to charity at that point. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, with the addition of Jonathan Gannon, it was reported yesterday that the Cardinals did part ways with defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. According to Josina Anderson, the term officially was released. According to Mike Kliss of Nine News in Denver, Joseph is expected to interview in Denver for the Broncos defensive coordinator job. Also being reported that Joseph is expected to interview with the Eagles and something that you touched on a little bit with your previous guest in the last hour, Bo Wolf of The Athletic. Who also covers the Eagles. So that was actually, uh, you know, I knew he did some Eagles work. I didn't realize he was like the Eagles guy for The Athletic and the fact that he uh, was able to give us a little scouting report on Gannon was kind of kind of an added bonus to our discussion. Absolutely. So well, I, I hope that uh, Vance Joseph is, a, is able to find a, another landing spot for him because this is really quite late in the process to be released from your contract to find opportunities for yourself. Um, I don't think he did a bad job when he was here. No, that, I, I agree with that. Uh, even though I do think you can make a case that uh, you know, last year he could have done better. Uh, he, he certainly didn't have a full deck on defensive players and so forth, but there were times where you know, I kind of wondered, what, what are they trying to do here? Uh, I wasn't real sure uh, what the scheme was or what the intention or what the plan was. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I will say for somebody, I think you bring up a really good point that is certainly late in the process, but I think he's at least uh, based on the, the reports uh, that you know Philadelphia and Denver are interested in him. Those are good landing spots because you've gone going to a defense that has to, no matter who stays or goes, they still got plenty of good players on defense. In Denver, I think a lot of people seem to believe, and I'm kind of in, in line with this, is that you know, there are a few teams in the NFL that have better defensive personnel than the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos have a great defense. Obviously, the Eagles, and we know what they were able to do uh, this year. However, they have a few more question marks with some free agency and just overall veteran age concerns uh, maybe than the Broncos currently do. It was funny, though, when there were talks about uh, Vic Fangio potentially being a part of the Sean Payton crew and going to be the defensive coordinator in Denver that uh, he would be returning to a place that fired him as head coach. Well, if Vance Joseph lands the right. defensive coordinator job in Denver, that would be the same thing happening for him, albeit completely different ownership group. That's true. And also you have the Sean Payton factor too. So like that, uh, you know, clearly everything is totally different. Uh, I don't know how much Elway has to do with anything anymore there other than, you know, he has a bunch of car dealerships all around Denver. 
Uh, I know he shows up for the games, but I don't know how much of a decision maker he is at this point. And he obviously was the decision maker during those days. The Cardinals do have to figure out what they're going to do with the vacant offensive coordinator positions. As of this morning, here are three names that I saw linked to having interviews. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals requested permission to interview Browns quarterback coach Drew Petzing for the offensive coordinator job. He was a name that I had mentioned earlier in the week just based upon some Albert Breer reporting that he would be a very likely candidate. Ian Rappaport also adds here that he's considered to be a strong candidate here. Petzing and Gannon were together in Minnesota from 2014 to 2017. Petzing worked with the quarterbacks last year for the first time with the Browns. Previously, the last the previous two years, he was with the tight ends with the Browns. I've never heard of him before this week. That doesn't mean he's not good. I just not from I'm just not familiar with him. Arizona Cardinals have also requested permission to interview Commander's wide receiver coach Drew Terrell. Terrell is 31 years old. He's from Mesa, graduated from Hamilton High School in Chandler, and he played his college football at Stanford. He became a Panthers offensive quality control coach in 2018 to 2019, and he has been with the Commanders in some capacity since 2020. Yeah, I've no, I've heard the name because he has a local connection uh, before this week, but I really, you know, other than what you just mentioned, that's about as deep as I could go as far as background goes. Well, there's so many different coaches in the league. It, it's hard to really know everything about everyone that's a potential candidate. And especially that, you know, I don't really think I dove too much into the Cleveland Browns this past year. In fact, I'm sure I didn't. Also true. Uh, Cardinals requested permission to interview Saints running back coach Joel Thomas. He has been the Saints running backs coach since 2015. Interesting here because the Cardinals did uh, interview Sean Payton for the head coaching job. And I'm wondering if in the process of picking Sean Payton's brain, if one Joel Thomas's name popped up a few times. But the cool thing about Joel Thomas, he's a vandal. Bob, he went to the University of Idaho. He won a humanitarian bowl back in 1998. I thought you were going to say Vanderbilt. Oh. No, but they're, they're the Commodores, though, so it's not them. All right, he's a vandal. That's good. Well, in this case, it's good. You know, being a vandal in some areas and walks of life is not good, right? That, yes, that's very true. When you're when you're hanging out with Joe Vandal, it's good. When you're vandalizing things, that's bad. And uh, that was uh, he was part of. Is it Joe? It's Joe Vandal. Yeah, is that it's, right? It's Joe Vandal. Yeah. Well, this is this is breaking news for me. Okay, I did not know that over the years. Sorry. Oh, I, no, I, that's I apologize, okay. I apologize not knowing that, but uh, I did not know it was Joe Vandal. They must have been you know, deep deep thought process to come up with joe vandal huh well because when you think about it like okay go vandals how do you make a mascot out of that so they had to create a person and so it's joe and then he's got his little viking helmet and his horns and then uh he's he's joe vandal could have been like bob or kayla vandal or whatever but yeah joe just sounds kind of (laughs) ordinary I mean, we could create a petition to make a female version and have it be Kayla Vandal. I mean, I'm all for that. You should have done that. I I should have. You had had that opportunity. I did. I had some clout at one time, and now I think it's gone. (laughs) You're in the damn Hall of Fame, so you still got clout. So there you go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, you should be. You should, yeah. You should. I think that yeah, as soon as you're done today, I'm sure you have nothing to do the rest of the day. You should whip off a letter to the folks at Idaho and say, "Here's the deal." 
I'm petitioning for a Kayla Vandal, and I would like, you know, you know what, Bob? Actually, I know we're getting off topic here, but I've always we wanted are? a bobblehead of myself. I would love Ooh. some bobbleheads for Kayla Vandal. That would be great. Okay, or you could do Josephine <laughs> to go with to, to, to counter to Joe. So. Uh, yeah, that's one think way of doing it. <laughs> think I'm think we're I'm done with this segment. My bad. I kind of <laughs> led us down a bad path here. How but you involved? start. You kind of started it. I was just all excited for Joel Thomas getting an opportunity to uh, potentially interview for an offensive coordinator position and some love for my alma mater. But Howard Balzer on the other side, he'll save us. He'll get us back on track. That's right. With uh, some more conversation, he was there for the introductory press conference yesterday for Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals. We'll pick his brain as to what his impressions were of the new head coach and uh, whether or not this whole win the press conference thing is, is really a thing. We'll get into all of that. Plus, I'm sure there's plenty more. Monty Austinforth, the new general manager as well. That's coming up on the other side of the break. Howard Balls or GoPHNX.com. It's the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and online at KDOS1060.com. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDOS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, you can follow us online at KDOS1060.com. The new app as well, Apple and Android. Download it, KDOS 1060. Get yourself signed up for listener rewards as well. Bob Kemp and I will take you up until 1 o'clock today. We're trying to catch up with Howard Balzer of GoPHNX.com to get his impressions about Jonathan Gannon as the next Cardinals head coach. But some of the things that... uh, maybe stood out to us in listening and watching the press conference from yesterday morning. You know, I touched on this a little bit, his pillars, Jonathan Gannon's pillars of what he wants to see and how the Arizona Cardinals are going to play. And those are four different things, adaptable, violent, explosive, smart. I know you had kind of a first impression about those four uh, pillars when he said them. Yeah, um, yeah. We hear a lot of stuff from head coaches, and to answer the question I used in the pipeline today, I actually do think he won the press conference. He mentioned these things, and yeah, actually watching the press conference on video this morning, yeah, got the the one of the one of the things that gets my attention. I don't know if I'm right about this assessment, but you know, this is just the way I kind of go about it. When guys are reading prepared statements, a lot of you know they have notes and so forth when they accept a job that you know they should have been. You know, they you know he's only 40 or you know in that ballpark, but the, he, he should have been. He, and I think he was. And I think there's plenty of coaches that aren't though. Uh, but coaches should be, you know, looking ahead to becoming a head coach and, you know, rehearsing his you know, introductory press conference uh, wherever he's going uh, for years. Uh, and clearly, I think he passed the test on that. And all those things you mentioned there yesterday, he just rattled them off. And it wasn't like he had a list in front of him and just uh, kind of, uh, you know, read from that. So the fact that uh, it was uh, spontaneous. And not 
prepared statement type of stuff and he i thought the lot most of the answers the questions that he had yesterday at the press conference were something that you could tell he thought out thought out and kind of anticipated questions and those are the kind of things no matter who it is no matter what the sport is and those things you know that, that, that those are things i pay attention to at press conferences like i said that i maybe i'm wrong in that approach but that's just kind of been my approach for a long time and I've heard, I'm guessing we're into you know, triple digits now in press conferences over the years. I'm sure we are as far as uh, you know, coaches being hired and you know, general managers being hired, etc. You know, two things to your point about the non-prepared statements. One, it, it definitely seems like adaptable, violent, explosive, smart. Those are our mantras that he... Um, to your point, has thought about in terms of how he wants to build a team, what he wants to see from a team. I imagine that those are pillars that he had for the defensive side of the ball. And so now he's going to bring it to the whole team. Secondly, prepared statements. Uh, Sean King of VEASAN, we actually had him on the show during Super Bowl Radio Row Week, but he's filling in this week on one of the shows that I listened to on my way in in the morning here. And he was chuckling and laughing about Shane Steichen press conference because he had written down every single player's name yeah in thanking them and had the the prepared statements written down but his point was you can't remember the names of the people that were on your team and you know one part of me was like well he might be nervous so he doesn't want to forget anyone and leave anyone out and so you you kind of when you're in this process of learning how to give speeches you you write things down and you make some bullet points for yourself uh but he does have a point there that you should know everyone on the team that has made major contributions on the side of the ball that you work on Absolutely, yeah. And I actually watched the Steichen press conference, some of it, because we were on the air uh, doing this uh, when that happened. And I noticed that he kept looking down. I knew he was reading something, and I never really heard the audio part of that, but that kind of explains what he was looking at, at least. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, if you're going to aspire to become a head coach, in uh, or whatever job you're in, you know, you, you have some kind of you have to you know, woo somebody at some point without a prepared statement, whether it's you know, the guy that's hiring you to work at IBM or the guy, whether, whether it's an NFL head coaching situation with a general manager and an owner. Uh, but uh, you know, so I think that uh, Gannon certainly, I without a doubt, impressed me in those lines yesterday. Now, something that we kind of speculated ahead of time, and it was confirmed as well in that press conference, is that Monty Ossenfort mentioned, without even being asked about it as well, Gannon's scouting background as something that was a positive. So my kind of just interpretation of maybe this direction that the team is going, uh, one, for the hiring of Monty Ossonfort having such a heavy background in scouting, then Jonathan Gannon being the head coach having uh, such a background in scouting as well, is that there is going to be a need and an emphasis to really start hitting on these important draft picks and really start uh, having some homegrown talent. Because how many rookies contributed for the Chiefs in this Super Bowl? How many, I know we talked about this, this great Eagles team as well uh, and some of the free agent acquisitions that Howie Roseman 
made, but how many of them have been homegrown talent picks? Yeah. So that to me seems like there's this major emphasis that uh, it has to start from the ground up to get this team rebuilt. Agreed. Uh, however, I will point out that you know, Steve Keim, his background is scouting too. That's how he kind of got yeah. started the Cardinals organization. So not only, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that where this team stands right now, and contractually speaking, with over, over 30 guys eligible to become free agents once the league year starts here, that kind of, uh, and I don't really know, you know, whether 30 some is uh, where that stands as far as you know, in comparison around the league, but it seems like a lot, and you know, some of those guys are key. You know, contributors, and I don't think they have that many key contributors, quite frankly, that absolutely positively have to come back next year. But some of those guys certainly are that. So the scouting thing is where they're going to have to start. Uh, I just think that they need to do a better job of scouting players in the previous regime who, you know, I actually thought the best thing Steve Kime did as far as a general manager is he seemed to hit on free agency and late free agency and not necessarily the top-tier free agents uh, that he added is, is you know, some, some years in training camps uh, uh, as opposed to you know the actual draft itself. I thought that was kind of his strength, as it turned out. Uh, but you know if you're going to do the scouting thing, you've got to hit on a higher percentage of draft picks than have been hit on in recent years in this organization. And certainly there's been some opportunities here of late to, you know, unfortunately for the team, have a much uh, higher draft pick. And certainly now this year with number three, there's going to be some options ahead of them. But if they end up staying there at number three, making sure they identify a, a difference maker likely going in the defensive side of the ball. Totally agree with that, too. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's an offense, you know, offensive lines, an area that obviously is going to have to be a heavy emphasis uh, with you know so many guys either not coming back or you've got a lot of questions about guys that were injured last year, you know other than D.J. Humphrey, I don't know what the situation is and that, you know who I guess Beecham. I'm not positive. I'm not positive he's actually coming back. Uh, you know we talked, we heard him, we saw him in Hard Knocks, you know, kind of planning for pilot. his future, right? Planning for his future after football. Uh, but I don't think anybody actually said that he's going to step away. I haven't heard that, but yeah, it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, but and he didn't have the greatest of seasons at right tackle, by the way, when he was you know, healthy and playing. He was actually unhealthy and playing, and to his credit, I mean, he played. He was out there all the time, uh, but clearly he was limited physically towards the end of the season because he was nicked up. And the other thing, I don't know if this stood out to you at all, but it stood out to me that there was a couple of different times that Jonathan mentioned in the interview process that both him and Monty Austin Fort, I guess, disagreed mm-hmm. and not like to the point of getting into arguments or anything, but just disagreed and maybe like fundamentally some different things, uh, the process of which, you know, you want to see something built. And I just, it caught my attention because I I think in some ways that could be a good thing because, and if you're, if you're allowing that conversation to be had, it's now no longer a groupthink process and there's some different points of views and that maybe you end up getting to the best solution in the end. And I also think it's a good sign for both Austin Ford and Gannon that there was not complete uh, agreement on everything 
And in Gannon's case, I mean, he's interviewing for a job. Austin Ford already has this job uh, that, you know, you, you, you challenge his thinking, uh, which is fine. Uh, so I would assume it, it, it's a good thing that if you, whoever your boss might be in whatever walk of life you were you know, participating in, uh, if you're trying to improve the product of your company, that you just don't agree with everybody all the time. Now, what's also interesting, Gannon was asked this, and he said that he's going to, to work through the I don't want to use a cliff phrase, work through the process, uh, but <laughs> just give it some There's time. There's not that many cliff phrases out there, so at least <laughs> that I remember already. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, I just always remember, well, we're working through that. Um, yeah, that's so I don't want to well, bring I don't want to bring that up, but just well, that. I don't know what he was supposed to say. <laughs> Also true. Uh, but there's going to be some time and some conversation and some thought about it. But that the background and kind of what he has experienced in his time in Philadelphia is that mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni was originally the offensive play caller, gave it up, and then focused more on just being the head coach on game day. And he was asked about that and whether or not he's going to uh, to, to do that. And it's interesting when you had Bo Wolf on from The Athletic and the conversation stemmed from, you know, NFL rankings, but then his perspective on covering Jonathan Gann for the last two years is that he thinks he will be a better head coach than he was a defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see, you know, get to know Jonathan Gannon a little bit more of how he has arrived to that potential conclusion. Yeah, I think we got a pretty good idea yesterday that, uh, well, I, you never know because, you know, I think, uh, you know, I look back at some of the press conferences we listened to of head coaches over the last few years. Matt Rule immediately comes to mind. That was more like a revival meeting than a press conference. And uh, I thought, I remember thinking at the time, this guy's going to inspire his you know, players and Maybe that worked for a while, but maybe uh, that doesn't continue to work after a while because it's kind of the you know in one ear out the other type of at some. I'm guessing that that happened at some point in Carolina, uh, but you know certainly it, I can understand why you know certainly the Eagles' defensive players played hard for him because he seems to be a guy just based on a you know 30 minute roughly press conference yesterday that. Uh, I can understand he's not like the Mike Tomlin, he's in the room type of thing, and you know he's in the room. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever compared to Mike Tomlin for me as far as that goes, but I was impressed yesterday. And, uh, you know, I would think that he's a guy that you're going to bust your butt for, at least uh, originally, and then you're probably going to need to win some games to continue that. But that's just the nature of professional sports. Yeah, and going back to one of our poll questions from this week uh, in regards to whether or not satisfied with the hire of Jonathan Gannon, uh, listening, though, to what Bull Wolf had to say, hearing some of the, the, the plans that Jonathan Gannon has laid out, I'm willing to kind of come off of what is um, really still firmly in my head is the defensive letdown from an X's and O's standpoint in that Super Bowl game. So, okay, that was one situation. Uh, We all have never had complete success in our life. So how do you turn those failures into positives? How do you learn from them? Do you have the overall intangibles to guide an entire unit uh, forward? So I'm willing to, to give this an opportunity 
Agreed. Even though, you know, I certainly, you know, and both of us, I believe, we weren't, you know, we questioned what the scheme or what, was there a backup plan mm-hmm. once you got your butt kicked at the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure the Eagles didn't plan on that happening because uh, it rarely happened to them all season long. And I would assume that they maybe thought about the uh, recent Chiefs uh, Super Bowls or playoff games past because almost every game that they've lost over the you know Patrick Mahomes era is because the offensive line got beat. Uh, that was not the case last Sunday uh, in Glendale. I thought the uh, Chiefs offensive line, kind of uh, the forgotten story, is that uh, they did a tremendous job not just uh, you know, kind of negating the line of scrimmage and held, holding their own, they won the line of scrimmage. Oh, absolutely, they won the line of scrimmage. Uh, a stats standpoint and an eye test standpoint. Absolutely, 100%. Your calls, if you'd like to join the program, uh, what did you think of Jonathan Gannon's introductory press conference, 602-260-1060? If you'd like to talk about the Suns, uh, college basketball, we'll also get into ASU, U of A on the other side of the break as well. Your calls, though, 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. It is The Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060 and as always online at KDUS1060.com on this Friday, February 17th. turn those picks into gold wall-to-wall nfl coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m the rich eisen show here in kdus am 1060 and kdus 1060.com Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. The new app, Apple and Android users, download it now, KDOS 1060, and take advantage of the listener rewards up on the app right now. We'll get into some more uh, NFL discussion here as well as dive into the world of college basketball. But as promised, it's your time if you'd like it, 602-260-1060, and we'll head on out to the KDOS hotline. Al, what's on your mind today? Uh, hey, first of all, I want to talk a little college basketball. Uh, Bob, what do you think's wrong with Purdue? I mean, they they're losing these games, and uh, you know, I was thinking they were a potential, you know, number one seed, but I wonder if they're still there after the defeat they've had recently. Yeah, I don't think they're a number one seed right now. But then again, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, I think it depends on the Big Twelve, uh, what happens from here on out. You know, you've got Texas, Baylor, and Kansas are all tied now off the Big Twelve standings. Uh, Baylor and Kansas play a big game tomorrow. You would think that at least a couple of combinations of those teams will play each other in the Big 12 tournament. And if somebody kind of emerges, uh, I would assume one of those teams is going to be a number one seed. If somebody else emerges, I wouldn't be shocked if there's two number one seeds from the Big 12, considering they're the best conference in the country. As far as Purdue goes, I'm not real sure. Uh, well, I got a couple theories here. Well, actually, I have one theory. One conclusion for sure is that these last two losses they've had against Northwestern and Maryland, they've gotten crushed at the end of these two games. Uh, yep. You know, they got crushed in the second half pretty much from start to finish. Yeah, last night, 
But the game against Northwestern, it was like 16 or 17 to 2 or 3 to end the game. Uh, and that's unusual. And I wonder, you know, their, their turnovers have really skyrocketed here the last few games, even, uh, you know, a game that they won here recently. You know, they've got some young guards and a couple of guys that are freshmen and get a lot of time. And I wonder if those guys have kind of hit a wall. Uh, and the fact that Matt Painter last night questioned their toughness, which I don't disagree with because they got kind of shoved around last night and got out-rebounded badly in that game by a, a team that does, does not have a whole lot of length in Maryland. But the fact that any team that questions his toughness publicly, his team's toughness at this stage of the season, kind of raises my eyebrows. It gets my attention. That's fair. Did one of your friends say that Baylor was the team to watch as maybe as a potential yeah. national champion? Yeah, they love them. Uh, they've got three guards. That I don't think there's any doubt that. Uh, yeah, well, maybe I shouldn't say any doubt. There's uh, most people I'm guessing that watch college basketball would consider their three guard situation, and they're all healthy now. They weren't all healthy together earlier, uh, but they're all at least for now uh, healthy. Their three guards. Uh, there's I don't think there's a team in the country that has three better guards than they do. And you saw, you were at TCU. You were saying that you were going to try to get a ticket for them on. on yeah, I'm starting to. I'm waver on that. I can, <laughs> I can wait. Well, I can wait a week on that. Mike, they're okay. one in five now without Mike Miles. Um, yeah, yeah. They've got like when they're healthy, and they've also their big guy has been out for these some of these games. Also, they haven't had everybody. You know, he got he went down the Kansas game that they won at Kansas, and he's been in and out. Uh, you know, various times since then. That was like five, six, seven games ago. Uh, so that's been a while. Uh, but you know, they've got like nine really good players when they're all healthy. Unfortunately, they have not been very healthy lately. It's not going to kill me to wait a week. Uh, they're not going to do anything in a week's time to, you know, for, have the odds to change that much. Uh, so I'm, I'm exploring, but I doubt I'm probably not going to act on that this weekend at least. And then going locally, I mean, ASU can't lose to Colorado at home. I mean, that was... They lose to everybody at home. I mean, they've <laughs> lost five home games in conference that's play. Fair. That's almost that's, impossible. Yeah, um, that's... <laughs> you see uh, tough to play there, you know, a little bit. You would, you would think. Um, I have no idea what's going on with them. Uh, I wonder... Yeah, they've certainly, you know, Hurley, and I understood it before that the Josh Christophers of the world and so forth, who was clearly here just to you know, get drafted and, you know, had to play somewhere for a year in between high school and uh, getting drafted. But, you know, the Bagley thing, and, you know, he's had some problems with some players. And I'm wondering if that's an issue, too. Uh, the my way, but, or the highway thing which sometimes I don't disagree with. And in this case, I may not either, but I'm not close enough to the program to really know whether uh, Hurley's in the right or the wrong, that he hasn't gotten along with some of his, you know, expected to be star players. And then lastly, again, higher, I'm cautiously optimistic, but you know, it's uh, it's hard to see. He's he's coming into a really awful, not a great situation. And, um, I almost wonder in some ways if he's not doomed before he even gets started. So, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Bo Wolf, had, we, uh, we had him on the uh, during the sports zone, <laughs> and he does the power rankings, and he has the Cardinals number 32. And unless there's been some expansion lately, there's 32 teams in the league. 
I think that's. I think he's. I, I would agree. One hundred percent agree with that. That I'll. I'll say thank you and uh, leave on that note. Thank you. All right, no problem. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. Uh, To Al's point about, I guess, being doomed before you get started, uh, we still have to keep in mind that Kyler Murray, who they're saying they're building the offense around, uh, isn't going to be available until maybe, if all goes well, October. That's true. The other thing is, I don't believe, and I had to step away for a second. I was listening to the press conference. I actually listened to it this morning, and unexpectedly had to step away for like two or three minutes, but I don't think he was asked about DeAndre Hopkins yesterday. He was not. Uh, And I just think it's highly unlikely that Hopkins is on this roster next season, but I also don't know what they could actually get in return. You know, Field Field Yates, who uh, is, you know, kind of a, you know, I don't know if he's officially an NFL insider for ESPN. He does a lot of, uh, he, he has a lot of hats for ESPN, whether it's fantasy or hosting NFL Live some days, etc. But he, he he knows a lot of people, having been a scout and, and, and you know, worked for the Patriots and the Chiefs before. Uh, he doesn't think they could get more than a third-round pick for Hopkins. Wow, a third-rounder? I was thinking second, at least. So, yeah, first, you know, the people that think you get a first-rounder, I think that's just absurd. Second... Maybe, but I think a third seems to be kind of realistic. You got a 30 something year old guy who has had some health issues the last couple of years and maybe not the easiest guy to get along with. He's leaving two organizations in like three years, even though I think there's circumstances that you make a case for Hopkins in both cases at Houston or and here. But there's stuff going on here regarding him. We'll take a break. On the other side, we'll get into the local college hoop scene. We'll also update how things are going at the Genesis Invitational. One Tiger Woods shot an opening round of two under par 69 yesterday. And now I was curious to see how he was going to get started today because this is probably like worst case scenario for the body, right? When you have as many ailments as he does, where you finish late and then you have an early morning tea time to get yourself ready to go and turned around. I mean, he talks about how long it just takes him to like warm up the body. I'm sure his alarm clock went off at like two o'clock in the morning for this tea time. Uh, But anyway, he ended up having uh, two opening birdie opportunities, missed them both. But he's currently sitting at even through 12. So he remains at two under par. We'll dive into a little bit more about the Genesis Invitational on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Number one of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortlaro with you. Expected now to catch up with Howard Balzer of gophnx.com around 12.15 today to have that conversation about uh, Jonathan Gannon as well as Monty Austinfort and the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll expect that around 12.15 today. When it comes to the Genesis Invitational that's taking place right now on the PGA Tour in first place, it's Keith Mitchell. He's nine under par. 
through 15 holes today. Two under on his round today. You have Colin Morikawa, two under par. He's at seven under. Max Homa shot seven under yesterday. Max, a name to remember. We have him in a top finishing position, so keep it going, Max. John Rahm shot six under par yesterday. He has yet to get his round started. Rory McIlroy is one under on the day, five under for the tournament in a tie for fifth. And our guy, Justin Thomas, he's uh, bounced back after a rough start to the round today. He's one under on the day and four under on the tournament. So we'll continue to monitor the Genesis Invitational. But when it comes to uh, local hoops, ASU, we've just discussed this a little bit here, but they lost to Colorado 67 to 59. As a team, they shot 37% from the floor, 27.6% from three. ASU was out-rebounded 42 to 34. DJ Horn led the way with 15 points and Desmond Cambridge at 12 points but i know this loss uh incredibly disappointing yes and damaging i mean any chance that they had to you know get in a large bid is officially gone now so it's win the pac-12 tournament i think the most important thing for asu at this stage is they could still be uh they could finish uh, you know fourth in the conference um, I'm sure probably mathematically they could finish better than fourth in the conference, but you want to be in the top four in the regular season and get a first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, so I would think that uh, tomorrow night is a really big, or tomorrow, I think that's a four o'clock game, whenever they play tomorrow. It is four o'clock, yes. Okay, four o'clock game tomorrow. Uh, against Utah, I mean, that's the team they're battling. Uh, one of the teams are battling for that spot, and that's a big game as far as uh, the regular season standings go, and uh, especially big for ASU because after tomorrow, that's their last home game, and their road games are against the U of A in Tucson next week, and then they go to the L.A. schools uh, to end the regular season, uh, and they've already lost. Uh, those are th- they've lost five home games. Those are three of their losses right there. They've already lost to all three of those teams at home. Uh, then you also have the U of A. They just played Utah and beat them 88-62. to They avenged the earlier loss in the season. They avoided a two-game skid as well. Kern Carissa ended up being the leading scorer for the Wildcats, 17 points. Courtney Ramey had 13 points. The team shot 56.9% from the floor and 50% from three. That was even without Tabellis' help. Right. Yeah, he got a bunch of garbage points in the second half, didn't score in the first half, and got benched by uh, Tommy Lloyd after a stupid technical foul, which was the correct call. I mean, he booted the ball into the stands after he made a personal foul. Uh, but I actually thought Pella Larson was their best player last night. Uh, and it was uh, you know, the second time he, he went to – he actually went to Utah. Oh, they played last year, so he, he's played them more than just this year. But uh, he started his career in Utah and then ended up transferring to the U of A. And uh, he was tremendous last night. He's usually a very good defensive player. Uh, He and Rainey, I think, are really good defensive players. After that, I'm not sure who is the next best defensive player on the U of A team. Uh, But those two guys can defend the perimeter and kind of hold their own. Larson can hold his own even if he gets posted up against some guys. Uh, but he was uh, effective in the first. I think he had 11 at halftime, and uh, but yeah, you know, he he they had to leave at halftime. Then they ran away from it early in the second half last night. UCLA continuing their winning streak, topping Stanford 73 to 64. Jaime Hawk has uh, 26 points, but UCLA 
cut down on their turnovers with just seven for the game. Yeah, and actually that had been a problem lately, but they're one of the low turnover teams in the country this year. They're one of the most efficient teams, and they were losing this game for a large chunk of the game. Uh, they were down at halftime. Uh, UCLA made a run to start the second half, and then Stanford kind of reestablished itself, and then uh, UCLA just kind of blitzed them in the last few minutes of the game. Uh, UCLA is 14-0 and at home this year. Uh, this is a big surprise to me. I, you know, I didn't even realize this, but you know, I know that they'd won a bunch of home games in a row, obviously, if they're 14-0 and zero this year. But they've won 22 straight home games, which doesn't seem like a lot to me, but that's the nation's longest current home court winning streak? The whole country. That's the best. Wow. That's pretty darn impressive. I mean, I know uh, McHale Center there for a long time was it, but hey, UCLA now has that crown. Yeah, I mean, but we've had the longest home winning streak has been like in the 50s and the 60s. And I think uh, Kentucky way back in the day was in the hundreds and 22. That's like everybody playing. There's some bad, you know, bad conferences that teams dominate. And they're longer, you know, they've been longer than 22 in the past. Gonzaga certainly comes to mind. Uh, but uh, 22 straight at home, that seems like that's a low number. <laughs> Speaking of Gonzaga, uh, getting a win, absolutely crushing Loyola Marymount, who they I lost to. they were to. up by 40 at one point when I saw the score, right? Something like that. Yeah, and, uh, it ended up being a 108-65 to 65 victory. Okay, so that's, you know, 40 basically. So there you go. But, yeah, I saw, like, the first score I saw was like, I, I might be wrong about this. Seemed like it was like 55 to 20 or 15 or something. It was just ridiculous. We'll get into more uh, college basketball setting the scene for the weekend as well as some Suns topics on the other side of the break to get our number two started. We'll also then head on out to the KDOS hotline, catching up with Howard Balzer of gophnx.com around 12.15. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at kdos1060.com.